Welcome back to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor FM. This is part two, Bassmaster Magazine, the worldwide authority on bass fishing, January, February 2021, cover to cover. This article on Bassmaster Magazine is written by senior writer David A. Brown, Land of the Giants, Winter Wonder Bites. Targeting bass during the coldest months of the year, it's not for the faint of heart. However, if you are willing to brave the extreme cold and follow the advice of these Elite Series pros, you may well catch the biggest bass in the lake. Bundled up, frosty breath clouding the air, don't think the big biters won't show themselves during the winter's chill. It's not easy. You have to play their game. But as our elite experts explain, a giant bite may be waiting at the end of your next cast. Here's a handful of suggested tactics. Carl Jacobson fishing a rocky southern reservoir. Just ask the Aussie pro his opinion on winter fishing and he'll tell you it's a drag, in the best sense of the word. In his experience, it's hard to beat the meticulous presentation of a big jig. His preference, a half-ounce Mollux football jig that features a bi-round tungsten head, that's a kind of a football-slash-flipping jig hybrid dressed with a fine-cut, mop-style silicone skirt and fit with a wide gap hook. Calling this jig the right tool for the job, Jacobson said that the key is now low and slow. That style head comes through rock, brush, and about anything you throw at it, Jacobson said. Jacobson starts with a Strike King Rage Crawl Trailer, but if the fish aren't feeling it, he switches to a toned-down full-size chunk trailer. Acknowledging that the latter more closely fits conventional wisdom, Jacobson said the look is often the key to triggering big bites from big fish that are actively looking for a winter meal. You hear a lot of guys talk about using a chunk in winter, but some of my best bites have come on a jig with a pretty aggressive tail. I want the tail to give off vibration when it falls, but what I'm doing is I'm literally counting rocks. I'm crawling it. Some of my best tournament finishes, some of my best fun fishing days, some of the biggest fish I've caught have come on a jig that time of the year. When I say I'm counting rocks, that's literally what I'm doing. It has to be so subtle, and you're letting it glide over one rock to the next. Jacobson employs his slow-dragging technique over main lake points and bluff walls leading into spawning areas. Points, he said, are prime staging areas for early pre-spawners. While bluff walls serve as travel lanes with vertical depth options, points with brush are absolutely golden. Rip-wrap on walls also come into play. While he makes long presentations to points and bluffs, Jacobson uses a shorter cast to rip-wrap to maintain a higher line angle and minimize crevice wedging. Favoring a green pumpkin trailer sprayed with fish bomb crawfish scent, Jacobson follows a disciplined color plan. Chartreuse tips, plain 
than orange tips, especially if he sees regurgitated crawls with orange claw tips. Fish response dials in the day's preference, but his logic is solid. What I like about chartreuse is that it, the fish mistake it for bluegill as well as crawdads. There's just something about chartreuse tips that fish just generally like. And if I'm on the jig bite, I'll rotate through all those colors and keep showing them something different, especially if I am going down the same rip-rap wall or fishing the same rock pile. You'll see the bite die off and then pick back up again when you give them that just a tiny bit of change. Todd Alton, Fishing a Grass Lake. The South Carolina pro believes he'll earn his best shot at tempting a winter giant by slow rolling a big swim bait over the vegetation. Alton likes the seven inch Osprey Talon. It's a nose weighted bait with a inline channel that allows him to feed his 25 pound fluorocarbon through and attach that to a 3X owner treble below. I like the large profile and the ability to wind the bait slow for a winter bite. I'll throw this bait on the points of grass and the outside edges, usually somewhere near deeper water. I'd be throwing this around grass in two to five feet on the flats near a channel swing where fish are moving up to feed. If I'm fishing right in the grass, I like the braid, but I prefer fluorocarbon because it helps keep the bait down. Lobbing is swim bait on a 7.7G Loomis IMX Pro Heavy Rod. Alton winds with a 6-1 Shimano 200 Curado reel. The lower speed, he said, best serves the big bait presentation by providing a more torque and thereby reducing fatigue. It's pretty much cast and wind, but the retrieve speed is what you have to figure out whether they want it faster and higher or slower and a little bit lower. Alton said it usually is higher on a cloudier day and lower on sunny days. Prefront and postfront conditions play a big role in depth preferences, and the latter may occasionally require Alton to reach into deeper retreats. When this need arises or if his bait is rolling, he inserts tungsten nail weights into the bait's belly for stability and a greater sink rate. Early mornings and late in the evening would be the best time for the big fish bite, Alton said. For the morning or evening feed, they'll come in and move up on that flat, but they might also come up during a warm trend when the bait gets active. I tend to lean more toward the evening because the fish want to get one more big snack before they go to bed. When one eats the bait, you have to let them take it a little bit. I let the rod load up and then I just pull into it. Kelly J, fishing a Highland Reservoir. Jay loves throwing his jerk bait in that deep, clear water, but he knows it's typically not a giant getter. That's why he stows the reaction bait and puts his faith in a brown mop jig with a green pumpkin chunk trailer, a large profile that fits the fish's dietary plans. When the water's cold, the fish's metabolism is so low that they don't have to eat a lot. They can live off of one good-sized shad for 
four days. Those big fish especially are really lethargic. They don't want to expend any energy so that mop jig just looks like a big meal. Noting how he avoids anything that looks like it might run away from a shivering fish, Jay said he prefers the Berkeley Power Bait Max Scent Chunk for its subtle profile. Designed with bunny ear appendages, the trailer completes a package that matches a prominent forage option. That color combination is old school, and it always gets bit. Clear water, stained water, they bite it because crawfish tend to have those colors on their shell in those lakes. Jay does most of his work with a half-ounce jig, but he'll go up to a three-quarter if he's working in 25 feet or more. Deep points and bluffs are his top targets this time of the year, as he is hoping to intercept fish positioning ahead of their spawning movement. I would make kind of a roll cast at the bank. I wouldn't make long casts with a football jig. I would make 25 to 30 foot cast and pull it down the point or off the bluff wall. I wouldn't hop it or anything, just pull it real slow with steady contact to the bottom. On a bluff, I want to cover everything from bank to where it drops off. Now in the spring, you usually key in on certain depths where the fish are really active and you can concentrate on that depth and parallel the bank. But this time of the year, you don't know what depth the fish will be in. So I want to make as many casts as I can in a productive zone. Jay trims his weed guard at a 45 degree angle back to the hook point, running his finger over the fibers. He wants to make sure he can easily feel the hook point. If I feel a bite, I let them load up, drop the rod tip, make sure they're on, and then bring it home. I don't let them swim around with it too long. Brandon Palanuik, Fishing a Western Trout Lake. Adhering to the simplest rules of fishing following the food, Palanuik does his best to infiltrate forage by targeting big bass looking to score a mouthful of rainbow trout. On waters like Lake Havasu, Diamond Valley Lake, Canyon Lake, and Clear Lake, he finds that the daily buffet presents an irresistible feeding opportunity for winter-weary fish that value big meal efficiency. This is a really good time to go through your larger swim baits like the Storm Arashi Glide or an 8-inch Huddleston swim bait, Palinuik said. Trout are a cold water species, so when those waters cool, a lot of times you'll find they'll move from that deep water to shallower and run the banks. Now Palinuik looks for sand, rock transitions with a deep water access. Proximity to this depth security is important for predator and prey as it allows them to drop off the edge and flee danger and or weather changes. It could be a long tapering point that has a steep drop on one side. If the body of water has bluff walls, where those bluff ends transition into sand can be really good places. It could even be something as simple as a drain in the middle of that bluff wall where silt has washed out over the years. Those scenarios can create great ambush areas. When you're looking for one big bite, you do not have to have a giant expansive area. Favoring the Arashi Glide, Palinuik set a slow and steady retrieve allows the bait to move without anything too spirited. This, he said, mimics the trout's generally ambling ways, but there will definitely be a time 
for the panicked look. If you have a bass follow, if that fish is right on the bait, sometimes one quick erratic twitch will get them to trigger. Most of the time, I want to bring my bait from deeper to shallower water because that's going to force those fish to commit, Palinuic said. Palinuic likes the rainbow trout color under cloudy skies, while ghost rainbow works best in the sunny conditions. One modification. For a slower sink rate and a suspended presentation, he'll downsize his treble hooks. A lot of times, you'll see that bite happen. You have a cleaner water that time of the year. A lot of times, they'll follow the bait and eat it close to the boat. The biggest thing is, allow the fish to get to the bait. If it does happen right at the boat, you don't have to set the hook as hard as you possibly can. You just have to reel into them until you feel the pressure and then lean into it. Frank Talley, fishing a southern reservoir with a lot of wood. You give Talley a half-ounce Strike King hack attack flipping jig with a Strike King rage crawl, and he's good to go. Black and blue is his go-to color, but when facing higher winter clarity, he'll use green pumpkin or watermelon. I'm definitely going to flip an isolated piece of timber, Talley said. In my opinion, those big fish only feed that time of the year maybe once every other day. You want to present a big offering to them so they don't have to exert a lot of energy chasing after it. Flipping something down on a piece of cover where they're holding, they see a big mouthful falling down to them. Being a full meal, they're more apt to eat it versus retrieving something smaller by them, like a small crankbait or a spinnerbait where they have to exert energy to chase it. To minimize his bait's profile and allow it to smoothly traverse cover, Tally cuts two segments off the top of the rage crawl so the pinchers hang just below the hook bend. Trimming the skirt within a quarter inch of the hook bend furthers this objective. And then lastly, Tally clips four strands off the weed guard's underside to thin the mass and to improve hook penetration. The right piece of cover will be bigger than any other timber around it. The diameter of the trees going to be bigger. If you have a bunch of five gallon bucket sized pieces of timber and then you have a 55 gallon drum piece of timber, that bigger piece of cover is what you want to target. A saying to live by is, the bigger the tree, the bigger the fish. And that really holds true in Texas and a lot of the southern states. Those fish like to get on something big. Atali points out that while a big tree definitely holds the warmth winter bass sea. It's also a shade thing. A prominent piece of structure offers significant shade on both sides of high noon. Even though it's winter time and you'd think they'd want to be up there sunning themselves, they still want to sit back in the shade because they're predators. The first part of the morning, they're on one side of the tree, and that afternoon, they'll be on the opposite side. John Graves Kayak Fishing, sponsored by the American Tackle Company. Check out all their fabulous products at www.americantackleanglerproducts.com.
and tell them John Graves Kayak Fishing sent you. This article on Bassmaster Magazine is written by Louis Stout, senior writer. Winning ways, versatility key in 2020. Here are the anglers and tactics that earn the most coveted hardware in pro bass fishing. The AFCO Bassmaster Elite at St. John's River held February 8th through 10th. Well, after a subpar practice, Paul Mueller decided to get away from the crowd and ran into creeks where he had gotten a few bites and water levels were a little bit more stable. And that decision not only paid off, but earned him his second Bassmaster Elite Series title. Mueller caught his fish on swim jigs around lily pads and by punching through hydrilla mats. His key baits were a Strike King, Hack Attack Swim Jig in a black and blue, with a Zoom Ultra Vibe Speed Crawl in a June Bug trailer. Unnamed Plastic Crawl June Bug with a 4-aught Hack Attack Flipping Hook and a 1-ounce Punching Weight. The conditions that anglers dealt with were a cold front, high winds, and fluctuating water levels throughout the whole event, and also vegetation was almost nil. So the other key patterns used, second place John Cruz fished a mixture of pads and docks with a Tokyo rig and a drop shot rig with a missile baits quiver soft plastic. Kelly J placed third by fishing a Berkeley skinny cutter and a white jerkbait in the back of the creek. The stability was at a premium during the St. John's Derby, as weather was crazy. Mueller found stability in the backs of creeks and made hay with a swim jig and soft plastics. The DeWalt Bassmaster Elite at Lake Eufaula held June 10th through 13th. When conditions didn't warrant ledge fishing, Buddy Gross turned to shallower brush piles that attracted those post-spawn bass. He had 300 waypoints marking brush piles, but discovered that the newer ones held the better fish. And that's where he fished swim baits and jigs to garner his first elite win. The key baits that he used were a Scottsboro tackle swim bait and natural light on an 8-aught owner flasher swimmer, 3 quarter ounce Nichols prototype jig and a dinosaur with a Zoom Super Chunk trailer in a green pumpkin. The conditions, rising water pushed bass off the ledges that typically produce and into the shallower brush piles. Other key patterns were Scott Canterbury. He fished from the bank out to the brake lines to target bass on the move. He used a Bagley Diving B2, a Dirty Jigs flipping Jig with a Net Bait Baby Pack of Crawl trailer and 11-inch Net Bait Sea Mac Worm. Third place, Drew Benton fished brush piles with a one and one quarter ounce Nichols single willow spinnerbait with a five inch big bite baits suicide shad, a big bite baits B2 worm, and a shaky jig head with a big bite baits finesse worm. Gross pinpointed bigger than average bass hanging on newer, shallower brush piles than other anglers were fishing. A swim bait and a jig garnered his big bites.
The Site 1 Bassmaster Elite at St. Lawrence River held July 23rd and 26th. Chris Johnston fished both the river and Lake Ontario in 20 to 50 feet of water to grab his first Elite Series win. He credited his Garmin Electronics for helping him locate the fish holding on rock ledges and rock piles. He alternated between a drop shot rig and a Ned rig to catch these fish. The key to getting most of his bites, he said, was to avoid getting the boat over the fish. The key baits he used was a drop shot number two, Gamma Katsu Aaron Martin G Finesse Hook with a 3 8 ounce Woo Tungsten Teardrop Sinker Rig with a Berkeley Powerbait Maxent Flatworm in a green pumpkin. The Ned Rig was a 3 8 ounce Mushroom Jig Head and a Z-Man Finesse TRD in a green pumpkin. Conditions? Well, Johnston was one of the few anglers to brave giant waves on Lake Ontario that last day. Canadian waters were off limits. Other key patterns? Second place Paul Mueller, who caught a 7-pound, 13-ounce smallmouth on day one, fished Lake Ontario rocks in 17 to 35 feet of water with a Berkeley Powerbait Maxent Flatworm. Brock Mosley, placed third by targeting largemouth around the docks, rocky banks, and other cover in the river. He fished a half-ounce Seaman jackhammer with a net bait big spanky trailer and a Bill Lewis stutter step topwater. Well, Johnston's hunted for the big smallmouth with his electronics, and once he located them, he duped them with a Berkeley Powerbait Maxent flat worm on a drop shot. The Bassmaster Elite at Lake Champlain held July 30th through August 2nd. Brandon Palahniuk had numerous spots he found in practice, but it was the less conspicuous rock veins that produced his bigger fish. Palahniuk said his Hummingbird 360 allowed him to locate boulders in 20 to 32 feet of water. The key baits he used were a drop shot, 3 8 ounce VMC tungsten weight, a number two VMC drop shot hook, an X-Zone finesse slammer, and a green pumpkin and a blue flake. A Nico rig with a 3/16 ounce half moon VMC wacky weight, a number 11 VMC Nico hook, and an X-Zone MB fat finesse worm in a summer crawl. Also a Storm Arashi glide bait. Lake temperatures were in the upper 70s, and the lake was down about two feet, and an algae bloom had occurred. Other key patterns used: Seth Fighter fished grass beds and docks with drop shot rigs, using an unnamed fluke bait a medium diving crankbait, and a 5.8 ounce outcast tackle stealth fighter jig, and an unnamed chunk style trailer. Third place, Jamie Hartman fished steep rocky drops with some grass in a 12 to 15 feet with a Carolina rig and an unnamed crawl style plastic and a drop shot rig with an unnamed shad style bait. Finding boulders on his electronics, Palanua cast his entire tackle box at fish to get them to bite. His bigger bass came on a glide bait. The Yeti Bassmaster Elite at Lake St. Clair held August 20th through 23rd. Well, Bill Weidler, whose 2020 previous best finish of 57th and who claims he didn't know how to catch smallmouth stormed out of eighth place and won his first elite event. Weidler hunkered down in the Anchor Bay area near the St. Clair River, 
where he focused on grass lines and pitched a drop shot rig. The key baits he used, the Strike King Baby Z2, a gray glimmer, with a 3 8 ounce sinker and a number one owner drop shot hook. The conditions, well, the Canadian waters and Lake Erie and Huron were off limits. So anglers fished under mostly sunny skies and light winds. Other key patterns that worked. Corey Johnston fished near the Canadian border with a Berkeley Powerbait Maxent Flatworm and a Baby Z2, while John Cox caught most of his from the St. Clair River on a Maxent Flatworm. A Weiler didn't get a ton of bites to win this derby, just the right ones. He patiently dangled a drop shot in front of oversized smallies hovering around grass. The NOCO Bassmaster Elite at Lake Gunnersfield held September 30th and October 3rd. Despite a poor practice, Frank Talley developed an upriver grass pattern as the tournament progressed and it led him to win his first Elite Series title. Talley fished eelgrass that ran from the bank out to the river channel and found the fish sitting on a small drop-off where they were feeding on big schools of gizzard shad. The key baits that he used were Strike King, Thunder Cricket, and a Green Pumpkin, with a Strike King Rage Swimmer or Blade Minnow and a Green Pumpkin and White Pearl Trailer. Strike King Sexy Frog that was white fished over grass mat. The conditions? Gunnersville fished extremely tough as the tournament followed heavy rains, falling water, and a cold front. Fishing seemed to improve as the tournament progressed. Other key patterns that proved successful, Randy Sullivan finished second by cranking a Berkeley Fritz side around Rip Rap on bridges while Luke Palmer flipped mats with a yum bad mama and a spine crawl. Now Tally tallied his first elite victory by casting a vibrating jig to the edge of the grass near a drop off. The Bassmaster Elite at Sandy Cooper Lakes brought to you by the United States Marine Corps. Well, Brandon Polinuick used a variety of power fishing baits and shallow water for his fifth Elite Series win. He had a 22-pound, 11-ounce bag the final day anchored by a 7-pound, 12-ounce fish that was critical to his 8-pound winning margin over Carl Jacobson. Punching mats produced most of his big fish, although the seven and three-quarter pounder was caught on a drop shot rig. The key baits was an Exxon Lures Muscle Back Finesse Crawl in a black and blue, an Exxon Lures Deception Worm and a green pumpkin in blue flake, an Exxon Lures Mega Swammer in a bream, a Fish Arrow Bladed Jig, white with an Exxon Swammer Trailer in a white pearl. Conditions? A high water had the big fish spread out, although big fish were caught mostly from shallow water. Other key patterns that work, Carl Jacobson caught most of his fish by punching mats with a Mollux SV crawl rigged with a one and one quarter ounce sinker to finish second, while Corey Johnston was third by fishing similarly in a mix of pads, duckweed, hyacinths with a various creature, baits, and three quarter ounce or heavier sinkers. Taking the second title of the year, Palinuic punched his way to victory, focusing on shallow and thick mats.
The Guaranteed Rate Bassmaster Elite at Chickamauga Lake, held October 16th through the 19th. Lee Livesave focused on a section of the lake that was getting less pressure, locked a frog in his hands, and tried to keep it in the water as often as he could to win his first ever Elite event. He keyed on ultra-shallow grass mats where there were fewer shad and the bass were feeding on bluegill. He used a push pole for a stealthier approach and made repeated casts to productive looking areas. The key baits that he used, a scum frog, launch frog, a black, a white, or yellow, in which he added two 1 8 ounce tungsten weights to improve casting distance and to get the bait to sink deeper into the mats. The conditions? Well, the fish were all in the fall transition, somewhat scattered, and the lake was down a couple of feet. Other key patterns that worked, Mike Huff fished upriver bluff walls with a 3 8 ounce Cumberland Pro Lures Pro Caster Jig and a Powerbait Power Hog Trailer to finish second, while third place finisher Jake Whitaker fished docks in a marina with a Kitech Fat Swing Impact 2.8 and a Hyperlastic Dart Spin Pro Swim Bait rigged on a 1 8 ounce jig head. Live say couldn't fish his frog too shallow. Bass were hanging around grass in just inches of water. Held November 5th through 8th at Toyota Bassmaster Texas Fest benefiting Texas Parks and Wildlife Department at Lake Fork. Well, Patrick Walters caught 104 pounds, 12 ounces of fish and won by nearly 30 pounds by fishing a standing timber pattern that most other anglers ignored. He caught bass as shallow as two feet and as deep as 35 feet. He located fish with his electronics to catch those fish suspended around the deeper trees. Key baits that he used, the Rapala Shadow Wrap, the Albino Shiner, the Mega Bass Vision 110 Plus One, the Tennessee Shad, the Duorillis Suspending Jerkbait, and the Chrome Ayule. Conditions, well, the Fork's big bass were scattered, and the weather had been too warm for them to begin the fall feed. Other uh, key patterns that worked, Keith Combs finished second by cranking a Strike King 6XD down drop-offs, while Jay Yellis fished shallow wood, docks, and brush piles with a one-half or a three-quarter ounce MGC Tackle Cobra spinner bait to finish third. Walters proved that you could catch 100 pounds in the fall if you picked the right presentation. In this instance, it was a jerk bait and scattered timber. A saying the live by is, the bigger the tree, the bigger the fish. A saying to live by? Flipping something down on a piece of cover where they're holding, they see a big mouthful falling down to them and being a full meat as it allows them to drop off the edge and flee danger and or weather conditions. Damn it! <laughs> Third place went to Drew Benton who fished brush piles with a one and one quarter ounce nickel single wicker bait. <laughs> Gross pinpointed bigger than average bass hanging on newer shallower brush piles than other anglers were fishing. I dang it, that was going good. 
Third place went to Drew Benton, who fished brush piles with a one and one quarter ounce nickel single willow spinnerbait with a five inch big bite baits in a suicide shad. Suicide! That's suicide there, yeah. Punching mats produced most of his big fish, although the seven pound, three quarter pounder, shitty bony pounder, bigger pounder pounder, and a lot of more pounder. To finish second, while Corey Johnston was third by fishing similarly, similarly, mother of fudge cookies. I need a cup of coffee. I'm not sponsored by Folgers, but I probably should be.